0: This is the conference operator. Welcome to the fourth quarter and year-end 2021 results conference call and webcast for Canadian Utilities Limited. As a reminder, all participants are in listen-only mode and the conference is being recorded. After the presentation, there will be an opportunity to ask questions. To join the question queue, you may press star then 1 on your telephone keypad. Should you need assistance during the conference call, you may signal an operator by pressing star and zero. I would now like to turn the conference over to Mr. Colin Jackson, Senior Vice President, Finance, Treasury, Risk and Sustainability. Please go ahead, Mr. Jackson.
1: Thank you, Claudia. Good morning, everyone. We're pleased you could join us for the Canadian Utilities 4th Quarter 2021 conference call. With me today is Executive Vice President and Chief Financial Officer, Brian Scrobot. Brian will begin today with some opening comments on recent company developments and our financial results. Following these prepared remarks, we will take questions from the investment community. Please note that a replay of the conference call and a transcript will be available on our website at CanadianUtilities.com and, can and can be found in the Investor section under the heading Events and Presentations. I'd like to remind you all that our remarks today will include forward-looking statements that are subject to important risks and uncertainties. For more information on these risks and uncertainties, please see the reports filed by Canadian Utilities with the Canadian Securities Regulators. And finally, I'd also like to point out that during this presentation, we may refer to certain non-GAAP or segment measures such as adjusted earnings, adjusted earnings per share, and capital investment. These measures do not have any standardized meaning under IFRS and as a result, they may not be comparable to similar measures presented in other entities.
2: And now, I'll turn the call over to Brian for his opening remarks. Thanks, Colin, and uh, good morning, everyone. Thank you all very much for joining us today for our fourth quarter 2021 conference call. Before I jump into a summary of our financial results for 2021, I want to talk more generally about our performance in a year and also highlight a few notable achievements we've had. As most here are aware, our core investments are largely focused on regulated utilities and long-term contracted businesses with strong counterparties. As we look back at the events of the last few years and the numerous challenges faced by businesses globally in the face of the COVID-19 pandemic, the value of these core investments has really shone through. Despite continued market turbulence, 2021 saw our businesses deliver the following. Year-over-year earnings and rate-based growth. advance key ESG initiatives, which accumulated in our release of formal targets in January of this year. Commence operations in Puerto Rico through our Luma Energy business. And execute on a number of energy transition investments. 2021 also saw our business successfully go to the market twice for capital to support these ongoing growth initiatives. In both cases, our offerings were oversubscribed and closed at attractive rates, highlighting the trust investors have in our business and the stability we can deliver even in times of heightened market turbulence. We are truly proud of these results and of our people who work tirelessly to continue delivering service excellence across the business and refusing to allow the numerous challenges created by ongoing pandemic to distract them from this objective. Taking this discussion back to our financial performance, 2021 was another great year for Canadian Utilities Limited. We achieved adjusted earnings growth of $586 million or $2.17 per share for 2021. This is $51 million and 21 cents per share higher than 2020. While our businesses uh, overall performed very well in 2021, this growth in year-over-year earnings was primarily driven by the performance of our Lumra Energy business and continued strong performance from ACOGAS Australia throughout the full 2021 year. As we talked about in our third quarter conference call, Luma Energy assumed full operation of Puerto Rico's electricity transmission and distribution system under the Supplemental Operating Agreement on June 1, 2021. Since taking over operations, the team has made a number of significant strides, including marked improvements to customer satisfaction, employee and customer safety, and the launching of numerous capital and operating initiatives. At the core of these initiatives is the aim of improving grid stability and modernizing the electricity transmission and distribution systems in Puerto Rico. This work saw Luma Energy contribute nearly $32 million of year-over-year earnings growth in our 2021 results. And we expect Luma to continue being a significant driver of earnings and cash flow for us in the future. As a reminder, we will continue to operate under the 18-month supplemental agreement until such time that PREPA has concluded its bankruptcy proceedings, at which point we will move directly into the previously executed 15-year operating agreement. While the specific timing of the completion of these proceedings is difficult to predict, the approval in January of a restructuring plan for Puerto Rico's territorial debt provides promising evidence that the process is moving forward. We continue to expect PREPA's bankruptcy proceedings to be completed in 2022 and before the completion of this existing 18-month supplemental agreement. As I know many of you have heard us talk about before, the process of transforming Puerto Rico's existing electricity transmission and distribution system into a reliable and modern system is no small undertaking. There has Certainly been some bumps along the road and resistance to change, but we remain committed to delivering on our promises for the good of all Puerto Rico citizens. The last point I want to highlight uh, on Luma is the great work that the team has been doing through our own public reporting and functions. For anyone on the call that might be not aware, Luma filed its second quarterly report on February 14, 2022 with both the Puerto Rico private... Uh, Public-Private Partnership Authority, P3A, and the Puerto Rico Energy Bureau. This report is publicly available through the P3A website and along with many other recent uh, announcements made by LUMA through its own website and provides further insight into the business's ongoing initiatives. Moving on to Australia, our natural gas utility continued to benefit from the inflation trends that we saw through the first three quarters of 2021. This upward pressure on CPI along with solid system demand helped us deliver 2021 earnings that were 34 million higher than 2020. While the ultimate duration of the CPI tailwinds is difficult to predict, Current economic forecasts suggest that many of the drivers impacting stronger, near-term CPI in Australia will persist into 2022. For those on the call that may not be familiar with how CPI impacts earnings in our Australian gas business and why stronger CPI drives higher earnings, it's worth clarifying briefly here. In our Australian gas business, the inflation index portion of rate base is built to customers through the recovery of depreciation in subsequent years based on the annual rate of inflation. The revenues for adjusted earnings purposes, however, are recognized in the current year as earned for this inflation component of rate base. As such, we see higher inflation, denoted by higher CPI, translates into higher current period earnings like we've experienced in 2021. On the regulatory front, there have been a number of uh, few developments in the first, uh, fourth quarter and early months of 2022 that are worth highlighting here. As we've messaged in our last few conference calls, we've been awaiting the final approvals from both the AUC and the Canadian Energy Regulator on our acquisition of the Pioneer pipeline and the subsequent transfer of a 30 kilometer segment to Nova Gas Transmission Limited. I'm happy to report that as of January 2022, we've now received all outstanding approvals related to this transaction. Our revenue requirement for this asset was approved by the AUC as filed, and the approval NGTL received from the Canadian Energy Regulator allows for the final transfer of their segment of the line. We will be finalizing this asset transfer through the first quarter of 2022. Switching to our Alberta distribution utilities, we continue to gain additional clarity on the 2023 cost of service rebasing year that will follow the second performance-based regulation term that concludes in 2022. While there's still additional work to be done and filings to be processed by the regulator, early decisions support the expectation of a fair and prospective regulatory framework for our distribution utilities in 2023. Notably, the AUC has agreed to a hybrid approach to the forecasting of 2023 costs, which will see applied for costs compared to an average of 2018 to 2022 or sorry 2020 actual costs. We expect to have these decisions on these applications for both our Alberta distribution utilities in the third quarter of 2022. Moving on to capital, I want to touch on both the capital investments we made in 2021 and also where we are heading in the coming years. In 2021, we invested $1.3 billion in our business, with $1.1 billion of this being invested in our core utilities. This ongoing utility investment ensures a continued generation of stable earnings and reliable cash flows from our utility businesses and drives rate-based growth. When compared to 2020 capital investment, this represents an increase of $221 million. The largest share of this increase is associated with our Pioneer Pipeline acquisition. In our energy infrastructure businesses, we invested an additional $226 million in 2021, an increase of $198 million from 2020. This increased investment reinforces our commitment to energy transition and includes a number of previously announced projects that we're pursuing in this space, including our renewable natural gas investment with future fuels, the acquisition of development rights for three solar developments in Alberta, and in the fourth quarter, our acquisition of the Alberta Hub natural gas storage facility. While we discussed energy storage's role in our overall energy transition strategy during our third quarter conference call, it's worth quickly revisiting this discussion in context of our Alberta Hub natural gas storage facility acquisition. Energy storage is critical to the existing operations of our energy system, and we believe its importance will grow as the world decarbonizes. Not only are assets like the Alberta Hub facility critical in the development of industrial scale clean hydrogen, they support the diversification of the industry within the province, including support for a critical petrochemical industry and also help support the affordability and reliability of our energy system as more intermittent renewable generation is integrated into the grid. Collectively, projects initiated in 2021 represent a significant step forward for our energy transition strategy. As our solar and renewable natural gas developments are completed in late 2022, we will start to see the earnings and cash flows benefited by the bite-sized and rapidly executable nature of these initiatives. Shifting to our larger clean hydrogen production facility project with Suncor, we began to see tangible evidence from both the federal and provincial governments of their support for large-scale hydrogen development. The latter half of 2021 saw the provincial government release its hydrogen roadmap, a tangible strategy that builds off many of the aspirations within the federal government's hydrogen strategy for Canada. As we've been communicating from day one, The success of this project will rely on the cooperation and collaboration of industry and government to ensure that policies are in place to make the project of this scale successful. While there's still significant work to be done, the importance of this project for all of Canada in meeting its climate change commitments is well understood and will continue to advance the project with the expectation of a 2024 FID and first hydrogen production in 2028. Moving on to our forward-looking expectation for capital investment, we expect to invest $3.3 billion in our regulated utilities over the next three years. While utility operations are the largest contributor to our earnings and will remain so for many years to come, we will also be actively investing in our energy transition growth initiatives in the upcoming years. Overall, Canadian Utilities had a great 2021 that saw us advance key growth initiatives while delivering strong year-over-year earnings growth for our shareholders. The groundwork that we've laid to establish ourselves as leaders in the energy transition space positioned us well heading into 2022, and I'm excited to continue pushing the business and these key initiatives forward. That concludes my prepared remarks, and I will turn the call back to Colin.
1: Thank you, Brian. In the interest of time, we ask that you limit yourself to two questions. If you have additional questions, you are welcome to rejoin the queue. I will now turn it over to Claudia, the conference coordinator, for your questions.
0: Thank you. To join the question queue, you may press star one on your telephone keypad. You will hear a tone acknowledging your request. If you're using a speakerphone, please pick up your handset before pressing any keys. To withdraw your question, please press star then two. Webcast participants are welcome to click on the submit question tab near the top of the webcast frame and type their question. The Investor Relations team will follow up with you by email after the call. Once again, anyone on the conference call who wishes to ask a question may press star and one at this time. (coughs) Our first question is from Linda Ezergailis with TD Securities. Please go ahead.
3: Thank you. Um appreciate um the context around uh the uh inflationary benefits that your Australian utility is uh, is is getting now. I'm just curious if you can help us understand um in Q4 how much of that uplift was related to the quarter specifically versus the full year and and how might we think of the potential seasonality around uh, the Australian gas distribution earnings uh, in 2022?
2: Yes, Linda, thank you for your question. Um, yeah, the, the, the Australia CPI certainly um, was a big driver, and I would think that in the fourth quarter, the increase in uh, CPI experienced in the fourth quarter of Australia was way higher than anyone expected. And certainly drove a big portion of the increase um, throughout the year, and and I would say yeah, the quarter results for Q4 was higher than normal just because of that that um, higher than expected increase for um, Australia CPI. You know, as we look forward, we we look to see that over time the CPI would normalize, and, and certainly we've had a uplift here in 2021 and in previous years we've had um, really low inflation but overall we expect it to normalize um, over the years.
3: Thank you and maybe moving on to my second question, um, your secured uh, capital for uh, through 2024 um, just wondering how much that might potentially grow in terms of your backlog of opportunities i assume substantially related to uh, energy transition opportunities um can you give us a sense of order of magnitude of 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 what else you are looking at that's not in your secured bucket
2: yeah thanks linda and and as you mentioned we do have um, a number of energy transition projects um in the queue whether it's our energy solar uh projects um we've got a renewable natural gas so we have a number on the go and we're certainly focusing on that um, as to the magnitude uh, i guess that will depend obviously we've we've talked about our hydrogen sun core project which which is a significant project and obviously had it can have a, a large uh impact to that forward outlook um though the construction of that is is beyond 2024 and we're working really hard today on that Um, As we've mentioned in previous calls, we see a number of opportunities um, continue to be in the hopper. I guess it's a tough question to to answer other than we are committed to ensuring that we only pursue those opportunities that fit well within our energy strategy. And, And we recognize that it is a high competition for some of these projects, so we want to make sure that when we enter them, We have the right team in place, resources in place to execute successfully on that. So I can't give you more guidance than that. I think there's a lot of opportunities, as we've mentioned before, and, and, um, you know, we'll make sure that we select a a combination of bite-sized as well as pursuing these big projects like the, the, the Suncor project. Thank you.
3: I'll jump back in the queue.
0: Once again, if you have a question, please press star, then one. Our next question is from Matthew Weeks with IA Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Good morning. Thanks for taking
6: my question. I, I think I just wanted to revisit, first of all, uh, comments made during the prepared remarks on, on how the uh, uh, CPI translates into earnings in Australia. And, and uh, I was wondering... Going forward, if if there's a recognition in the current period based on that, is there, is there any way that that would be given back in in future periods and 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 reduce as that's uh, passed through a, a little bit more in the earnings? Or um, I was just wondering wondering if you could clarify how that works a little bit.
2: Sure, thank you for your question. And so maybe just hit it right off. No, there there would no it would not reduce first in future years. It's 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 based on current year's of inflation, and that's translated results, and then it will be collected over a number of years through depreciation. It, is, it can be a very complicated uh, way of looking at it, and, and perhaps maybe what we can do for you, Matthew, is just take that offline and, and uh, call you directly and walk you through this very complicated regulatory um, mechanism, if that works.
6: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Uh, I appreciate that. Uh, Second question is a little bit uh, bigger picture and talking about the energy transition and and, uh, wanting to be aligned with all stakeholders and and governments uh, really before proceeding with opportunities. Looking at the the so-called blue hydrogen opportunity and and implementing uh, carbon capture, uh, would you say that part of one of the key catalysts that would drive going forward with that is going to be government support in the form of a, a carbon capture uh, tax credit, um, and and do you believe you can see that implemented as soon as uh, uh, this year?
2: Yeah, there's you know government support and policy is is critical um, for developments of hydrogen and, and other um, energy transition opportunities. And you know there's there's a number you, you mentioned one uh, carbon capture and but there's there's a lot whether it's securing cost effective pore space. For carbon capture, there's the clean fuel standards and related uh, clarification on the value of liquid and gas credits under under these standards. There's Alberta tier and BC low carbon fuel cr- cr- um, credit guarantees. You know, you mentioned the investment tax credit. Certainly, uh, is that something that needs to be clarified by the, at the federal level? You know, there's amendments to the Alberta Gas Utility Act to allow hydrogen blending and so on. So I could I could go on for a long time, Matthew, but yes, I would just say policy is critical. And certainly that's been one of our major focuses. We've been working with both the federal and provincial governments to gain certainty on these and clarity on these policies. And I think these policies in place will allow all stakeholders to um, be able to proceed on on these long um, these projects that need to progress and uh, certainly that we're working on as we get to FID by 2024.
6: Okay, thank you. I appreciate that. And just one last question, just building on that, and you mentioned the clean fuel standards. Uh, with the government, uh, with, with the federal government expected to implement nationally the clean fuel standard in 2023, was that uh, really one of the drivers behind the decision to move forward with the, the R&G uh, project and aligning with the timing of, of contributing really in late 2022, 2023, and building on that, do you think there are more opportunities to invest in, in renewable natural gas going forward?
2: Yeah, great, great question. And I would say like, you know, renewable natural gas is, is not new, and it's something that we see as as one of the part of the puzzles for addressing climate change. And, um, you know, we've been working on on various opportunities over the years. The, the, I think one of the facilitators is is in BC, Um, they are allowing for renewable natural gas to be included in their natural gas system and and paid for from customers. And certainly that has allowed us to commercialize some opportunities in Alberta, although today it's something that will be transported and, and recognized in BC. But as we work with the Alberta government, that is one of the policy changes that we're looking to implement the government government, is to, to allow renewable natural gas to be part of the, the market system here in Alberta. And because, uh, quite frankly, the, there's, the benefits are clearly uh, known, and it's something that it makes a lot of sense. So, yes, I do see a lot of opportunities um, in Alberta and elsewhere for renewable natural gas, and um, certainly that's kind of the, the rationale for why we entered into that space uh, earlier last year.
6: Okay, thanks. I appreciate that. Uh, that's everything for me. I'll turn it back.
0: Our next question is a follow-up from Linda Izergailis with TD Securities. Please go ahead. Thank you. Just um,
3: wanted to maybe take it up a level in terms of your capital allocation uh, philosophies uh, and and how you might choose to finance them. Just trying to understand how that's being influenced. These, uh, and, you know, your strategic priority for 2022 to maintain um, an investment uh, grade rating, I guess a strong investment grade rating, um, potentially. Um, and, um, you know, within that also understand how that might influence the, the, the cadence and rate of, uh, of dividend increases as well.
2: That's yes, right, Linda. I think you cut out a little bit there um, during a the question. Do you, do you mind repeating that? Sorry, I, I cut out a little
3: bit. Apologies. Uh, so um, in terms of your uh, capital allocation decisions, uh, especially as you face growing opportunities in energy transition, I'm just wondering how that might have been, how that might be influenced by your discussions with the debt rating agencies and um, your you know, strategic priority to maintain a strong investment grade rating. And within those capital allocation decisions, beyond just um, looking at new investment opportunities and adding that to your uh, secured capital bucket from your backlog, I'm just also wondering how that might inform uh, the pace around your uh, dividend and cadence of your dividend growth.
2: Thank you, Linda. Uh, Thanks for repeating that. That was helpful. Um, Yeah, maybe as general, like when we address all our capital allocation, we're, we're looking at all factors in terms of how we would finance that growth and allocate the capital. Um, you know, strong financial tenants are a key value for us at, at Canadian Utilities and CU Inc. And, you know, one aspect of this is our, is our credit rating like you mentioned. And certainly um, you know, we our, our businesses are, if our business would be assessed as a pure play utility on the low volatility table, we would expect our of debt to metrics to be well aligned with expectations for a credit rating and, and stable outlook. Um, but, you know, and strategically, we believe the energy transition investments will play a significant source of growth for us and our businesses moving forward. And these investments are critical to ensuring the long-term stability of our businesses. So, you know, unfortunately, from a credit rating perspective where investments are non-regulated and are seen as increasing our business risks, and push us further away from assessment under SSP's low volatility table. you know so while you know we value our a credit rating and we're consistently seeking opportunities in credits um, investments that would increase our group's FFO to debt metrics and financial stability, we're mindful that managing this metric is not our our only objective, and we can't let our or let, can't let it create undue pressure that would prevent us from executing on our overall strategy and, and that's kind of goes to that capital allocation that being said we we note that um cu inc maintains a one notch installation factor from the group rating and and given this we expect cu inc to maintain its a rating even if a credit event at the group level were to, were to take place so in terms of costs of and access to capital, we don't expect that our funding costs would look materially different if we, for say, were rated at triple B plus in that in a scenario. Similarly, we expect to continue to have good access to capital in both scenarios, and we would, if we needed to, go to the market. So, and, you know, I just kind of give the examples of our recent preferred share and dividend issues, both having very strong market acceptance and demand exceeding issue sizes in both cases. So. You know, overall, we're mindful of our credit rating. Um, obviously, we work very well with the credit rating agencies, um, debt holders, um, and as we look to our capital allocation, we want to make sure that capital allocation is directed to our, our long-term strategy and stay with, stick with that despite near-term pressures on some of our metrics um, that we face today. So... Dividend policy included, like we're, we reinstated the drip. All these things are options to us, and we're we're constantly evaluating them. So uh, hopefully, that answered your question, Linda.
3: Yes, thank you. And just as a, a follow-up question, just building on your energy transition opportunities, and uh, recognizing that there's still uh, a lot that needs to be put in place from a from a regulatory and um, political perspective to enable those opportunities to be realized. I, I'm wondering uh how much work you've done uh in your Alberta utilities to establish how much hydrogen you think could be blended into your natural gas uh distribution and transmission networks and, and what sort of investment would be what, what would be the nature and type of investments that would need to be done to uh to enable that uh that mix safely. Yeah.
2: Yeah, thank you, Linda. Um yeah, we've we've done a lot of work. Um on our, on our natural gas system to, you know, prepare ourselves and evaluate um, the blending of hydrogen. And, and again, remind you and others that blending of hydrogen and natural gas networks is not new. Um, it's been done in a number of places over the world. Um, so part of that is, you know, we've, we've are starting to, we've actually got a couple pilots where we're blending 20% of hydrogen in houses. Um, obviously, you've heard about our, our pilot in Fort Saskatchewan where we're going to be blending initially 5% of hydrogen um, in the homes in the area of Fort Saskatchewan. We have been working for quite a while in Australia to in our clean energy hub there in terms of the blending of hydrogen. So, you know, obviously important to us is ensure um, that we've got the um, safety case cases well proven and um, educating all parties and stakeholders involved. And, um, you know, we will continue those efforts, and that's a a strong focus for us here um, this year. Uh, In terms of getting ahead on the regulatory front, we have filed as part of our 2023 cost of service application. uh, Included in there is, um, you know, the discussion about blending hydrogen, and um, certainly we're working through the regulatory process through that. We've also engaged with the, the federal or the provincial governments in terms of um, getting gas amendment the act amended to allow for the blending of hydrogen, and we've been on that for some time. So I guess we've been very active and I could go on um, to ensure that we are prepared for the day when we start blending hydrogen into our network. And then we've got all the policies, procedures in, uh, in place and ensure that all stakeholders are, are educated on the safety and the, the, the benefits of, of hydrogen in our, in our natural gas system
0: thank you our next question is from Maurice Choi with RBC Capital Markets please go ahead
7: thank you and good morning uh, my first question just bringing back closer to home um, can you discuss the ROEs that you achieved in 2021 for your four Alberta utilities
2: hi Maurice Um, Yeah, in terms of, you know, the outperformance um, in our utilities, maybe I'll just speak just generally. Um, um, Certainly, uh, I'll start off maybe with electric transmission. And, um, you know, electric transmission, we've um, had a number of kind of previous um, like appliance filings that came through in 2021 in terms of uh, getting those final red requirements and, and as you've kind of seen our MDNA had a, a negative impact um, on our year our 2021 earnings for electric transmission. I think 12 million of that was related to prior year. So overall um, the electric transmission is is operating in, in line with the AUC approved returns. Uh, electric distribution has been doing extremely well and we're continuing to bring in those efficiencies year over year and building off of that. So we've seen very strong utility returns um, and outperformance in our electric distribution business in 2021. Our gas distribution business continues to have very strong outperformance um, in the business. And, um, you know, it ultimately, you know, builds off some of the initiatives that we've been um, over the last four years. And then we prepare ourselves for 2023. And then a the natural gas uh, transmission, um, you know, 2021 uh, reflected the rebasing um, and where we passed in all the cost efficiencies that we earned in prior years back into uh, customer rates uh, moving forward. So, again, we've had some, you know, great performance in our natural gas transmission business as we again start the first year of. Uh, the incentive mechanisms of, of finding efficiencies in that business. So overall, I think we're very proud with the, the, the men and women of our teams delivering continued uh, premium returns for our shareholders and, and obviously um, the benefits that goes to customers in the long run. So maybe I'll, I'll leave it as that, Maurice.
7: Great. thank And, and thanks for those, um, those explanations. Maybe it's a quick follow-up um, for the two distribution uh, utilities, Um, I I suppose you haven't given us an exact number about how many basis points you've outperformed, but maybe a different way of asking is how would you compare this year's outperformance versus, say, uh, over the past one or two years?
2: Yeah, okay, for the distribution, so I would say for for the natural gas, and I don't have, we haven't gone, through, we haven't gone through the full detailed calculation, Marisa. So there's a, there's a lot of math that convert it into regulator returns. But I would say generally our natural gas is in line, um, relatively line with 2020, and uh, for our electric distribution business, um, you know, there's quite a bit higher um, outperformance in 2021 versus 2020.
7: Perfect. Um, and my last question, and just sticking again with the ROE in Alberta, uh, what are your views of the, uh, the potential for the ROE methodology moving to a formulaic approach uh, from 2024 onwards? And directionally, uh, do you see a risk that the starting point uh, may be rebased from 8.5%?
2: Yeah, great question, Maurice, and, and as you're, you're aware, um, the Alberta Utility Commission has um, has outlined that uh, following uh, a generic cost of capital uh, proceeding for 2023, that it's looking for 24 on to um, evaluate a new process for generic cost of capital, which could include the discussion of a formula. And um, you know, I guess our views on that is it's, it's it's early days, and and we would need to better understand the components of the formula, to making sure that uh, they can capture the the market conditions and the volatility. That there's a, a solid starting point. Um, Whether there's off ramps that taking consideration, and so. And then obviously how the inflation and uh, capital uh, compensation factors are, uh, sorry, I'm thinking more of PBR, Um, but basically just overall market and conditions. And we've seen so much market um, turbulence over the last number of years, and obviously we need to make sure that that formula and how the market is, is going to capture those impacts. So... Long way of saying is that, um, you know, we're not against a formula, but that formula would have to, uh, we'd have to be comfortable that that formula would would capture all those market conditions and per- provide a fair return, which is ultimately a important
7: component of the regulatory compact. Got it, and, and you like a sneak one in as a follow-up. If, if, if the composition of that formula Mimic the one that we currently see in Ontario. Would that be a good starting point, or do you do you think that there still needs to be some customization uh, that's unique to Alberta?
2: Yeah, um, great question. I, I honestly I don't have the specifics, and I, I would need to do some more review. And you know, you mentioned Ontario, um, but I'd also say that there's very very few jurisdictions that have a formula based are we right now and, and Ontario will be one of them. So that just kind of goes to show that, you know, right now it's been pretty problematic to put something like that in place. Again, it's not something that is not doable, but again, we'd have to, we'd have to see what the, what parties and the commission is proposing. And, um, you know, we could probably take something out of offline Maurice and get back to it as a comparison to, to Ontario, provide you a little more details, but I just respond generally in that way.
7: Perfect. Thank you very much for that.
0: Once again, if you have a question, please press star then one on your telephone. There are no further questions registered at this time. I would like to turn the conference back over to Mr. Colin Jackson for any closing remarks.
1: Thank you so much, uh, Claudia, and thank you all for participating today. We appreciate your interest in Canadian Utilities, and we look forward to speaking with you again soon. Thank you.
0: This concludes today's conference call. You may disconnect your lines. Thank you for participating, and have a pleasant day.